You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Oh, we are set for an SEC showdown national championship. Number three, Georgia. Number four, Alabama. Doesn't get better. Rock and Ritz, Sermonello, both teams will be squaring off Monday night. But we do know that the true national champion resides in Orlando with the UCF Knights. You just uh, you just trampled on my line because I was going to say that uh, I can't wait to see who the runner-up to the UCF Knights are Monday night. That, that's something we ought to talk about during this three-hour show. I mean, a feel-good story, UCF, but boy, they really have bumbled this process over the past week. Great victory in the Peach Bowl over Auburn, but... I hate to break it to you, UCF. You are not the national champions. You will not be the national champ in 2017. That will be decided Monday night in Atlanta. And I love the fact that it's two SEC teams because it's ticking off the entire country. You know, the the folks out there who are telling me they're going to boycott this game because it's so regionally located, two SEC teams, they hate the SEC. You're not going to boycott the game. I know you're going to watch the game. You'll be there with the rest of us. It should be a great matchup. Yeah, you need to get your head examined if you want to. Do not want to watch this football game. You're because not it is a college much, football fan. Exactly, if you're not watching must this game. Watch night. football. You need to tune in Monday night. SEC East, SEC West. Two of the best teams in the country will be squaring off at 8 p.m. in the Mercedes-Benz Dome. We have a great show planned for you today. We're going to walk through each team's strengths and weaknesses. Georgia's offense and defense. Alabama. Alabama's offense and defense as well. We have three great guests on tap. Former Georgia linebacker Rennie Curran will join us at 1039. We'll get his take about the culture change from Mark Rick to new head coach Kirby Smart. We'll be joined by former LSU running back Justin Vincent as well, who won a national championship in 2003, was the BCS Bowl MVP under Nick Saban, knocking off Oklahoma. And then Big Ten analyst Jerry DiNardo will join us. We'll get his take on the fantastic bowl performance by the Big Ten, 8-1 and one, one overall, along with his take on the national championship title game. And then at 11.39 Eastern, Gabe Morenci will join us. We'll get Gabe's best picks for the championship game. We'll get some prop bets as well. But, Rich, uh, a dynamic bowl season. I mean, for, when you think about it, you take the, the start of the season uh, to the end, and we look at the bowl performances, some great games that really came on down the stretch. And you look at that Fiesta Bowl between Penn State and Washington, just a dynamic game between both teams. Yeah, I mean, it started a little bit slow in the postseason, a lot of blowouts, a lot of sloppy games, but it got progressively better, which is what we expect as we start to see the the more elite teams, the more elite players, those guys that are looking towards the NFL, those top coaches facing off. When more was at stake, Joe, as we got closer to New Year's Day, the games got better. And it all culminates Monday night, and it really is a historical matchup because Nick Saban has a chance for his sixth national championship to tie Bear Bryant for the most, and this could be Georgia's first uh, title since 1980. And when you talk about teams gaining momentum for 2018, I mean, there's a bunch that we'll get into as well as the show progresses. Keep it where it is. When Rich and I come back, we'll be breaking down Georgia's offense. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonella live in the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.
Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com slash premium and learn more about our awesome product. On college football today, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello talking about the national championship game between Georgia and Alabama. Rich, when you look at that semifinal game, Oklahoma was in the driver's seat 31 to 17 at half. Everyone thought Baker Mayfield and the crew would just run away in the second half. Not the case. Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb took the game over, and that defense led by Roquan Smith really stepped up. Georgia gets the 54 to 48 victory over Oklahoma in double overtime. Dramatic game. One of the best overtime and, and playoff games that we've seen in recent best years. Best bowl games I think we've uh, well, seen maybe since USC, ever, maybe. Texas. Yeah, 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 I mean, one yeah. of the best ever in terms of when you think of the ramifications and implications that were on the line in that ball game, but I will say this. I am a Georgia fan. I thought they would beat Oklahoma, but if they play the way they did in the first half offensively right. against Alabama, they're not going to win this ball game. Well, or defensively too. I mean, count me in the in the group that felt that Oklahoma was in the driver's seat. It certainly looked at it. That was a 17-point uh, lead until that mistake on special teams by Oklahoma, which gave Georgia a field goal just before halftime, but you know, Georgia, to their credit, Kirby Smart, that coaching staff, they made the necessary adjustments they were able to establish the ground game with Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle Jake Fromm did his part offensively and the defense was outstanding in the second half now obviously very different opponent this week against Alabama from a defensive perspective it goes without saying it's kind of a rudimentary comment but this game is going to come down to Jake Fromm because all Alabama wants to do is they know they need to stop that two-headed backfield. Really, three-head if you count DeAndre Swift in there. But Sony Michelle, unbelievable game. 11 carries, 181 yards, 41 uh, receiving yards, and a touchdown last week against Oklahoma to overcome his big fumble. Nick Chubb, he has been there year in and year out, especially since his injury. Alabama's going to stack the line in order to stop that running game. It's going to come down to the young quarterback, Jake Fromm, who has been unflappable, has been so efficient. But can he deliver Monday night in the passing game? Because Georgia's going to need that. I don't think they're going to run for anywhere near the yards they had against yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah, great point. I mean, they rushed for 317 yards in that domination uh, second half over Oklahoma, averaging 9.3 yards per carry. That opened up the play-action passing game for Fromm. He completed 20 of 29 passes, hit some big plays to Terry Godwin and Javon Wims in the second half of that ball game. But I agree with you. I think when you look at this offense overall, Georgia's averaging 267 rushing yards per game. They've rushed for over 200 yards, Rich, in 12 of the 14 games this year. The only two games which Georgia did not rush for over 200 came against Notre Dame earlier in the year, 185, and the loss on the road in the the Plains in Auburn, 46 rushing yards. Some of those were sacks as well. Again, I think they need to be more aggressive on first and second.
second down. They need to open up the passing game. Not so much how many times per game you pass, but when you pass. If you're aggressive on first and second down, attack Alabama straight on with seam routes, post patterns, dig patterns to take the pressure off the offensive line, get that front seven thinking pass first. That could open up running lanes later in the ballgame for Michelle and Chubb. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that'll be the game plan for Jim Chaney, the offensive coordinator of Georgia. I think you have to open up with passes. You cannot be predictable. I think if you run and you put Jake Fromm in situations where it's second and seven, third and five, that's a recipe for a lot of punts and possibly a lot of turnovers from the Georgia standpoint. So I agree with you. I I think they're going to be aggressive. I think he's going to use his receivers who have gotten progressively better throughout the season, Javon Wims, Terry Godwin in particular. But I think those tight ends could be factors as well. Isaac Nauta, who has been underutilized, Jeb Blazevich, they have a good one-two punch at tight end, but really haven't been used that much this season. Again, I, I think so much of this comes down to how does I Jake Fromm is not going to be riled by the situation. I no. just don't think he has that in his demeanor. I don't care that he's a teenager. I don't care that he's a true freshman. Flappability, unflappability, that's not going to be an issue. He is not going to be unnerved, even by this setting in the Alabama defense. But it's really not a matter of, of mindset or intangibles. Can he make throws? Can he fit the ball into tight windows against an absolutely airtight Alabama secondary? That, to me, is the key in this game. Turnovers, can he continue to be clean in terms of turnover? I think he only has, what, five picks this five year? Picks, yeah. Which is phenomenal since he's been a starter since Jacob Eason went out. So Jake Fromm is the key. And then that offensive line. Offensive line has been better than I thought this season. I thought it would be a, a liability before the year began. Isaiah Wynn, Lamont Gallard, but they really have a tough test this uh, this uh, Monday night against the Alabama front four. And when you look at Alabama's performance against a mobile quarterback in Kelly Bryan and Clemson last week, I feel like Clemson played into Alabama's defensive strengths. Again, I think a lot of teams do as well. We, we saw a lot of hitch patterns, a lot of slant routes, which allows those linebackers and corners to jump routes right in front of them. I think that's the difference, especially with Fromm as well. If you put him into long third down situations where he's forced to read coverage going up against Minka Fitzpatrick, those linebackers as well, those linebackers that can match Sony Michelle in the short intermediate passing game, they're going to have problems. Yeah. But if you take the pressure off of him early, roll the dice, again, it doesn't matter. You don't need to complete passes. Even if you stretch them and get them to think pass, yeah. that'll open up running lanes later, but you need to be consistent. If you miss a couple passes early and you get some three and outs, it doesn't matter. Still be aggressive as the game progresses because as it, it's a, it's more of a battle. It's a 15-round title match, and which team could dictate the tempo will ultimately win. And and, and to your point, it's, it's a chess match. These coaches know each other very well. For those who don't know, Nick Saban on the Alabama side, Kirby Smart on the Georgia side. Kirby Smart for a number of years during crucial national championship seasons was the defensive coordinator for Nick Saban. And for all of the assistant coaches under Saban who have gone to become either coordinators or head coaches, I think Kirby Smart and Nick Saban had the tightest relationship. Sure. They know each other exceedingly well. Nick Saban, 11-0 and versus former assistants who became head coaches. Right. But Kirby Smart has done a remarkable job. He is way ahead of schedule at Georgia. Only his second season in Athens. 
obviously they win the SEC title this year. They're, they're in a national championship game, but also recruiting exceedingly well. So this is an opportunity on Monday night for Georgia to join the elite programs, to step up and get alongside the Ohio State's the Oklahomas, the Alabamas, the Clemsons, those those elite programs, Georgia is on the cusp of joining them. And I and I think unpredictability, game planning, being able to sort of outsmart Nick Saban from an offensive coordinator standpoint, that is going to be crucial. Joe, I think you're spot on. You cannot be predictable against this defense. If you're predictable, you're looking at a recipe that Clemson had last week, which is six points and maybe about two or three yards a carry. And what's interesting is we heard Phil Longo come on a couple of weeks ago and mention uh, you, you still want to go with what got you there. And I agree with that to a degree. And, and especially in big games, it's the team that's able to break tendencies early on that will win the ball game and take chances. Right. If you're going to play it straight up and they are game planning and watching film, because Nick Saban and that defensive staff as well, they're Jeremy Pruitt, they're breaking down the, which team are we going to face? Are we are we going to face Oklahoma? Are we going to face Georgia? They've watched tape prior to that game on both teams. So they have a read early on of which team offensively in terms of what they like to do. So that and when you break this game down, that's what makes Nick Saban and those defensive coaches for Alabama just elite because they, they outthink the offensive game planner. And I think when you look break this game down for Jim Chaney, it is going to come down to his aggressiveness early on and more importantly, his aggressiveness in terms of formations as well, Rich, not just play calling. Can they spread out Alabama from a formation perspective? Don't put it into a pro-style offense. Put Sony Michelle out in the slot. Utilize Nick Chubb in the backfield. Get DeAndre Swift mismatched on linebackers and nickelbacks to create mismatches in the passing game. It could be early on. could be in swing passes. could be in the screen game to neutralize the pass rush of Alabama. Well, and what's interesting, too, is you have a short window in preparation for this game. We're accustomed to leading up to uh, the championship game prior to the semifinals. There's typically more than a week. This is the shortest window between semifinal games and national championship. And I've heard it all week. People have said, well, the turnaround is always a week during the season, during the regular season. And and this is kind of like back-to-back road games in the case of Georgia out in Pasadena now in Atlanta. But this is the national championship. It would have been nice if there was a little bit more time. I'm not talking even from a physical standpoint, but from what you're talking about, preparation, to have a few more days. I mean, Georgia got off the plane in Pasadena Tuesday. They have a very tight yeah. window to prepare and put a game plan together for the Alabama defense. Yeah, and when you look at personnel as well, I think that's where Georgia benefits because they are four deep at the running back position. Outside of Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, they have DeAndre Swift. They could utilize Elijah Holyfield. So it's a multitude of players. And then we've seen the progression of Javon Wims, especially in the second half of that ball game. He's a player you need to keep an eye out on. He does have 704 receiving yards, seven touchdowns. Terry Godwin's added a another six receiving uh, touchdowns in there. And when you look at Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, I mean, Nick Chubb leads that team with over 1,300 rushing yards, 15 touchdowns. Sony Michelle, 1,129 rushing yards, 16 rushing yeah. touchdowns as well. So both backs will need to be involved early, not just in the running game, but in the passing game as well to get the victory over Alabama. When Rich and I come back, we'll be talking about the dogs' defense. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Studio 34.
Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source 24 hours a day. into Monday night's title game, Georgia-Alabama. We broke down Georgia's offense led by their freshman phenom, Jake Fromm. Going to talk about this defense that was battle-tested early on, made halftime adjustments, Rich, and they stuffed Baker Mayfield. They shut him up on Sunday night. Dynamic second-half performance led by Roquan Smith. They're going to need that second-half performance against Jalen Hurts in order to get this victory. And I think they get it. I really do. I think the momentum from that performance against Oklahoma – and they looked terrible in the first half. I mean, they looked slow. They looked heavy-legged. I was very surprised by that. I didn't think they would be uh, passed on and run on as easily as they were. But this is a very different offense. This is a manageable offense. And, Joe, when I look at the Georgia defense, you and I talked about it a lot uh, during the off season, during the season, the regular season. You know, Georgia looks like Alabama East in yeah. many regards, and that is most evident on the defensive side of the ball. When I look at this Georgia defense, they're tough at the line of scrimmage. They're fast and physical from the second level, led by Roquan Smith, Lorenzo Carter, Dave and Bellamy, those linebackers that go from sideline to sideline in a hurry, and the secondary without a lot of household names, has been outstanding all year long. Dominic Sanders, Malcolm Parrish, J.R. Reed. This defense reminds me of a vintage Alabama defense. They do so many things well. They're so fast to the ball. They're chaotic. Not as many sacks as I thought they would have this season, but a fair amount of turnovers. And I think they have a significant edge on the Alabama offense, which is one-dimensional. They'll try to run the ball. They don't have the same passer that Georgia does. Jake Fromm is the better passer than Jalen Hurts is. So I say advantage Georgia's defense. I think they're going to have a good showing. I think they'll continue that momentum that they had in the Rose Bowl. I'll say this about Georgia, and I've been a fan for years now. The difference between Mark Richt and Kirby Smart is the mental resolve. Because if this team was coached by Mark Richt, no offense, if they were down 31-17 at the half to Baker Mayfield and, and Oklahoma, I think they would have folded. It's an no, interesting I, point. I mean, Kirby Smart made halftime adjustments. Mel Tucker made halftime adjustments. They bought in and believed that they can win that ball game. And I think that's the biggest change for Georgia. They've always had top five talent, Rich, for years now. And, and Mark Rick couldn't cultivate that talent to the next level. Kirby Smart is doing that in such a short period of time. And it's come 
sort of physicality on the defensive side of the ball. You're talking about a Georgia defense that's only given up 121 rushing yards per game. They've held six of 14 opponents under 100 yards rushing this year. But more importantly, you said that secondary. Dominic Sanders leads that group. They're only giving up 167 passing yards per game. And the way they covered those those running backs in the short intermediate passing game, that's a reason why they were able to pull that victory out in double overtime. Well, and it's interesting, too. Uh, again, short window for Mel Tucker and Kirby Smart to prepare for the Alabama offense, but I don't think you need a ton of time. I mean, I think it's very elementary what Alabama's going to do. They're going to try to run the ball with Damian Harris and Bo Scarborough. They'll have some RPO in place in the game plan for Jalen Hurts, but in terms of that passing game, you have one player to worry about. It's Calvin Ridley. So that secondary is going to put all of their focus in stopping Calvin Ridley. Nobody in that passing attack, either wide receivers or tight ends. We had a grown accustomed in the past, most recently with O.J. Howard right. in Alabama, utilizing the tight end. That doesn't exist. Irv Smith has been you know, sort of a, an afterthought, more of a blocking tight end than anything else for the Alabama offense. So Georgia can really focus, stack the line of scrimmage. I think Roquan will be close to the line of scrimmage. I think those safeties will be pressing up as well. They're going to be much like you know, Alabama wants to do with the Georgia offense. Right. It's very similar. It's strength versus strength. They're going to want to put Jalen Hurts in third and long situations. And what has vexed Alabama in recent seasons is the inability to convert on third down. And if you could put Jalen Hurts in third and six, third and seven, I think I think in that situation you're going to see a lot of J.K. Scott punts and a lot of opportunities for Georgia to get back on offense. Well, I agree with that, but here's the recipe I think Georgia needs to do from a defensive perspective. Somebody asked me this last night when I when I did the show in Vegas. Are they going to be aggressive in terms of blitz packages? I don't think so. I think the way you have to beat Alabama, and I'll tell you why, is that I think they need to play more zone coverage. Force Jalen Hurts to methodically work down the field. They played a lot of man-to-man coverage against Baker Mayfield because of the five wide formations and Baker Mayfield's ability to get the the football out quickly and make reads in terms of the passing attack. Jalen Hurts is a mobile quarterback. If you bring pressure from the outside, he breaks control. He's going to have huge running lanes outside the pocket. That'll open up broken plays, could allow some big plays in the vertical passing game. I don't think that's the recipe to beat this Alabama offense. I think you play more nickel. You play more zone coverage and force them into third down and long situations. Force him in the pocket to read coverage. Keep the defenders on the perimeter because they have the speed to run sideline to sideline. But do not blitz Jalen Hurts. It could be a recipe for disaster. Yeah, you, you do not want to open up running lanes for Jalen Hurts because those are the big plays that could be a part of the Alabama offense. When he gets out into open space, he's extremely dangerous, not a dangerous passer. He can get the ball to Calvin Ridley on the outside, but where I would be most concerned is when Jalen Hurts breaks containment, gets outside of the pocket, and begins to head upfield. That's when he becomes a major factor for the Alabama offense. Now, from the defense And the Georgia perspective, do you have someone spying Jalen Hurts? Do you have Roquan Smith sort of keeping that eye on Jalen Hurts to make sure that he stays in the pocket? Because when Jalen Hurts is in the pocket... Alabama's offensive potency goes down significantly. Yeah, I think you do, but I I think Roquan Smith is possibly one of the best defenders in terms of pass coverage. The way he covered Rodney Anderson, especially in the short to intermediate passing game, in the overtime period, could be a factor that Alabama wants to create, especially if Kirby utilizes a spy against Jalen Hurts, because... 
When you look at the second leading receiver in terms of receptions on Alabama's team outside of Calvin Ridley, it's running back Bo Scarborough that does have 16 receptions, only 108 yards. So that's his check down. Yeah. So they're going to want to force either Bo Scarborough or Damian Harris on a linebacker, uh, wheel routes, screens, flares to get them out into space. And if you have a spy on Jalen Hurts, and it is Roquan Smith, the team's best defender from a linebacker perspective, that could be a matchup as well that Alabama could take advantage of. Well, and I'd like to see more from the Georgia defensive line on Monday night. Trenton Thompson, John Atkins, Jonathan Ledbetter, uh, good in run defense, not a lot of pressure this right. season. And Trenton Thompson has shown the ability in the past. I go back to the, the bowl game last year against TCU where he was virtually unblockable at the line of scrimmage. I'd like to see that kind of pressure against an Alabama offensive line that is going to be with Without one of their best blockers in right guard, Lester Cotton. Lester right. Cotton doesn't look like he's going to play. And if he tries to suit up with that bad knee, he's not going to be 100%. So that could be a slight advantage for the Georgia defensive line. If they can create any pressure with the three-man front and allow those linebackers to sit back at the second level and contain, I think that's another reason that Alabama is going to struggle offensively. Yeah, I agree with you. And I look at Kirby Smart. We broke it down that he did coach on the. Uh, was under Nick Saban for nine years, won a couple of national championships there, leading that defense. He understands the strengths and weaknesses of not just only the defensive players, but the offensive players as well in terms of scout team. So he understands what Jalen Hurts is good at. So that's why I think they do have a slight coaching advantage, even though it's Nick Saban, it's the mad scientist, Jeremy Pruitt. Let's also keep in mind, one coach that is not there, he's in Boca right now, Lane Kiffin for that that offense was huge. Um, a different night and day type of offense now with Brian Dable at the helm. Yeah, there's no question. We'll talk about it in the next hour, more so about the Alabama offense, but I'm concerned about Brian Dable. I don't think he has done a great job this season. I don't think he's been inventive or unpredictable. He has good personnel. He really has outstanding personnel. And I think Alabama, from the offensive standpoint, hasn't developed a real personality. We know what they want to do. They want to be able to pound it between the tackles and make life easier for Jalen Hurts. And again, I'll talk about it in the second hour, but against the better defenses on the schedule, and Georgia certainly will be one of them on Monday night, Alabama has been absolutely pedestrian with the ball. And if you could score first on Alabama you have a chance to knock them off or at least be in a game score for score because what the Alabama offense does better than anybody in the country, they jump up early, which allows them to dictate the tempo of the game and more importantly, allows their defense to take over and forces teams to play catch up. And and especially in this matchup with Jake Fromm, that's something the Georgia defense cannot allow. If anything, it's got to be a field goal early and then allow their offense to match them. Yeah, I, I hope it's one of the games that I expected to be, which is every possession is going to count. I believe it is. I think this will be a close, competitive game. I don't think anyone's going to run away and hide, but getting off to a fast start is big in every game, but this isn't Georgia and Oklahoma where teams can trade blows back and forth. It's not going to be a track meet. It's not going to be a shootout. There's just not enough offensive firepower versus these two defenses, so every possession is going to count. Fast starts are going to count. Momentum and tempo are going to count. And then it's going to be interesting once we go into the halftime because few coaches are better at halftime adjustments than Nick Saban. But 
it's hard not to be absolutely overwhelmed by the job that uh, Kirby Smart did. And Joe, you brought up a great point. It was the mindset. Other coaches, other teams might have packed it in at that point. Georgia just rallied the troops and came back. It was a remarkable performance. And, and it's also the personnel. Last year they had O.J. Howard, Garrick Dieter, or Darius Stewart. So maybe they weren't making a lot of plays, but Lane Kiffin could utilize a lot of different formations to create mismatches. And maybe you're still only running Damian Harris or Bo Scarborough or Jalen Hurts, but the, they're coming out of different formations. And I think that that's the difference that you see between Lane Kiffin and Brian Dable as, as well. Georgia is going to have to maintain gap integrity. They cannot be overly aggressive here with Jalen Hurts breaking contain because it could be a long day. But Georgia did hold 7 of 14 opponents to 50% or less completion percentage on the year. They gave up 287 to Baker Mayfield last week. They were averaging 377 per game in 2017. When Richard and I come back, we'll be talking about some of these players moving on to the next level in the NFL. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Great talent on both sides of the ball for the dogs and the Crimson Tide Monday night. We're going to talk about some of these players moving on to the next level. May 2018 NFL Draft. We'll start with Georgia, Rich. I mean, two of the top running backs in the country, Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, really coming on later in the year. A lot of people talking about Darius Geis, obviously Penn State, Saquon Barkley, but Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle just getting it done each and every week, setting records in Sanford Stadium, and they're barking all the way to the title game because of their performances. Yeah, and I like the fact that both players came back for their senior seasons, added a little more mileage on the tires, which is not great for their pro careers, but I think it says a lot about their character. Nick Chubb has been a class act throughout his career, tough between the tackles, ultra productive. Uh, I, I think he'll be a quality NFL back, but I, I love Sony Michelle. I think he fits well into NFL systems. Not, not just a terrific running back, but an outstanding receiver. I think he's truly a three-down running back. I think he's got a bright future and hasn't been as banged up over the years as Nick Chubb, so I wouldn't be surprised if I, you know, Chubb has the higher profile from a collegiate standpoint, but five or six years from now, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Sony Michelle is the more celebrated NFL running back. I couldn't agree more. And credit former offensive coordinator and, and current Colorado State head coach Mike Bobo for really recruiting uh, Sony Michelle in Athens and utilizing him early on three years ago. He utilized him in the short intermediate passing game. He put him out like a Reggie Bush, Alvin Kamara type of running back that you see with New Orleans. And I couldn't agree more. You look at Sony Michelle this year. He is a dynamic dual threat running back that's also used in the Wildcat. We saw that in the overtime period. That could be a factor on the next level as well. We see teams doing that with uh, Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. Which is a great comparison, oh, without, by the way. Yeah, without yeah, a Kamara doubt. Kamara I mean, is a great comparison. Yeah, Kamara just stepping out on the scene. I, I he, When I look at Chubb, though, 
a productive running back, had the ACL injury in Knoxville against Tennessee. He reminds me, uh, really, of a spitting image of former Oregon running back Jonathan Stewart. I mean, a 10-year career in the NFL, productive, not I don't want to say an elite run. Right. We don't look at him as uh, an Adrian Peterson uh, during his tenure there, but just quality yards, a thousand yard rusher could catch the football, just great work ethic, blue collar player that would play special teams, whatever it took to get it done. And that's where I think both players will have long careers uh, at the next level. Yeah. And Nick Chubb, I don't mean this in a derogatory way. I, I don't think he's exceptional in one right. category. I, I think once we get to the NFL comp, Combine, all-star games, pro days. I, I don't know if he's going to test off the charts. He's right. not going to be Saquon Barkley in that area. But if you want someone who is tremendously steady, can get you 100, 115 yards and a touchdown week after week, great in the locker room, great within the community, someone who you can count on with consistency week after week, that is Nick Chubb. I think Sony Michelle just has the higher ceiling. I think he does more things well, more dynamic. We saw that in Pasadena against Oklahoma, did it on the ground, did it as a receiver. Had, you know, I tell you what I liked about Sony Michelle. Had that devastating fumble that could have led to a victory against Oklahoma, right? Oklahoma takes it back the other way, a fumble by Michelle. You know, he he could have turtled up at that point. He could have basically been just inconsolable. And what does he do? He bounces back and scores the game-winning touchdown. So a lot of resiliency, kind of a microcosm for that Georgia football team. So I'm a big fan of Sony Michelle going forward. Well, when he scored that touchdown in the double overtime, I can't even tell you I was out of my mind when he did that because he came out of the Wildcat, which I, I yeah. said that could be a factor in that ballgame. They held it for the overtime period, but now we see some of the NFL teams go Going back to that to get the extra blocker, and that could be added value as well, more touches. And again, the mental resolve. Credit Kirby Smart for that because, again, he could have folded. This team could have folded. They rallied around him. Jake Fromm, everybody stepped up, and that's where I think you'll see Sony Michelle be an elite running back. Even possibly uh, they didn't do it enough in Athens once or twice, but in early part of his career, special teams as well, punt returns, kick returns. You could utilize them in a multi two to ways so he is a five tool player I'll say this about the flip side the guy that I really love though Alabama wide receiver Calvin Ridley to me I'm going to go out on a limb here he's not the next Julio Jones I believe he's the next Antonio Brown for Pittsburgh really a body type yeah. the way he comes out of his cuts hands yeah and I, and I think he gets you know he gets a little bit lost you can't judge a receiver like Calvin Ridley based on the numbers because if he was playing at Oklahoma you know, you could you could ratchet up his numbers by fifty percent or right. more if he was in the right offense. <laughs> right, exactly. He would be he would be a Blitnikoff Award winner. He's not because of the offense that he plays in. But what I like about receivers from programs like Alabama is they are fundamentally sound. You talk about the hands. You talk about the route running. The way he runs the tree, he does that like an NFL receiver. Right. Plus, in an Alabama offense, you get some of the added benefits. That you wouldn't normally from a wide receiver like being able to block, block downfield. You know, he he could be a downfield blocker. He's tough. He's physical. He won't drop passes. So again, you're not going to see it in the numbers. He hasn't declared yet. He'll declare as soon as the national championship game is over. I think he is a first round draft choice. I think Sony Michelle gets drafted higher than Nick Chubb. But of all the players, the two I really like are Minka Fitzpatrick 
and Roquan Smith, both juniors, both should and probably will declare next week. And I think both are first-round talents, maybe as high as, as top 10 overall. Yeah, and fantasy guys will be like, Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. You know who he, he reminds me of Daryl Green. Back I have a day. different name. I, I was going to say Jalen Ramsey from Florida State. A younger guy. Yeah, yeah. People, I'm old school. I go Daryl. I mean, he really is a legitimate lockdown corner yeah. that we haven't seen in recent. I mean, 5-2 well, players as well, tackling yeah, space. The versatility, you could practically play this kid as a small linebacker. That's how versatile he is. He's played strong safety, free safety, cornerback. He does everything. There's a reason why Nick Saban loves this kid. I mean, he believes like Minka is a coach on the field, very mature, very smart, great instincts. He will be a future all-pro player. But how about some of the kids that are maybe a little bit lower down, like a Rashawn Evans from Alabama. There, there's so much next-level talent that you'll see in Monday night's game that's going to translate well to Sunday. And the tight ends for Georgia, Blazevich yeah. and Nada, whichever one decides to move on, I mean, they can – I mean, Blazevich, he, he's not going to go first four rounds. He's not a, a Jeremy Sprinkle type of uh, tight end that we've seen from Arkansas, Hunter Henry uh, in, in terms of that regard, Bucky Hodges that came out uh, for Virginia Tech. He's a different type of mold. He's a blue-collar player. You could utilize him. He's more like a Heath Evans for Pittsburgh back in the day. He's a blocking tight end that can catch over the middle and just run solid routes. Nada is more of a tweener, a Gronkowski type that could be utilized into red zone opportunities. But when you look at Georgia's offense as well, I mean, the, the guy that I'm really looking at now moving on to the next level whenever he decides is Wims. I, yeah. I mean, did you see the, his ability to catch the football at its highest point away from defenders? I mean, he screens. He's a big body in red zone opportunities. Again, we haven't seen his full upside because of the progression of Jake Fromm, but this is a player that you can see has next-level talent. Well, and, and I think that next-level talent will, will be showcased more as he gets comfortable with the young quarterback. Yeah, and as we look ahead to 2018, you know, Jake Fromm is going to become a bigger part of that Georgia offense. You're going to be losing Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. DeAndre Swift really should have a breakout sophomore season in 2018. But with Swift and Fromm getting more comfortable and Fromm becoming a more prominent part of that offense, players like Wims will see their numbers go north. A couple of other guys that I'm really looking forward to watching Monday night and then in the NFL, Ronnie Harrison, the big yes. safety from Alabama, and then Deron Payne. You know, it was not an anomaly that this kid, the big nose tackle for Alabama, had an interception quickly followed by a touchdown reception from Jalen Hurts. <laughs> that kind of agility for an interior lineman is not uncommon for Alabama, and the fact that he could move so well that he He's so nimble at 6'3", north of 300 pounds, bodes extremely for uh, well for him in his professional yeah, career. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Allen, I mean, had a solid first year uh, in the NFL. So when you see that type of talent move on, you look at Eddie Jackson as well that did get drafted after the injury. So Harrison, I, the one thing when you look at Alabama's defensive players and the two that we're talking about in terms of Harrison and Fitzpatrick, what they do better than anything is their ability to tackle in space in today's NFL. That's one of the most important factors for safeties and cornerbacks because, again, when you play a five-wide type of offense in terms of you can't bump and run like you used to back in the day, you need to minimize big plays, and their ability to tackle in space is a main reason why they'll be, uh, in my opinion, first-round draft picks. Well, and those Alabama defenders, 
they're coached like professional athletes. They're raised like professional athletes, and they play in games that are big, big time games, SEC, national championship level, always in the playoffs. So if you're getting that kind of player, he's battle tested. He knows what it takes to win titles. I'll throw out one final name. Levi Wallace is a kid who he's arrived in Tuscaloosa as a walk-on. I love the mindset of the walk-on. I've always kind of liked that Baker Mayfield chip-on-his-shoulder type of a player. Levi Wallace did not have a scholarship when he arrived in Alabama, but he has gotten progressively better, has waited his turn, and now he's had a breakout senior season. So, again, I'm not talking first couple of rounds, but he could be a fourth or fifth rounder that goes on, makes a 53-man roster. Roster and, and really begins to build a career. Yeah, that's a great point. When you look at from the offensive perspective for Alabama, you touched on, uh, we touched on Weems and Godwin. When you look at Alabama's offense, Bo Scarborough's yeah. ability to catch the football, I mean, not a lot of yards, 16 receptions this year, 108 yards, but he's showcasing his talents. I, I think he's a different type of mold than Derrick Henry that was more just a between-the-tackles runner. You see what, how they utilize him with Tennessee. Bo Scarborough could be picked up in possibly the fourth or fifth round and be utilized in the short to intermediate passing game. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the big game. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live in the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio 34. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Lisi Ritzer Manello talking 2017 National Championship. We've had a great bowl season, and Rich and I are going to recap and review some of the teams and performances that really caught our eye this bowl season. For me, I said it last show, Ahmad Bradshaw and Army, what they were able to do against San Diego State really stepped up for me. And I have to give kudos to James Franklin and Penn State for losing offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead and converting 13 of 17 third down conversions against that Huskies defense. I mean, a phenomenal effort for Trace McSorley and Saquon Barr. Yeah, team-wise, I'll go with Michigan State, not just because it was personally beneficial. I love Michigan State (laughs) against Washington State. That's not why I'm bringing it up. I just thought that this was a team that could use the postseason as a launching pad to 2018. I love the youth at Michigan State. Mark D'Antonio did a good job. It was a rough offseason away from the field. He did a good job of rallying the troops, getting them prepared for this season, Brian Lewerke continues to impress. I think he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in college football in 2018. So Michigan State, and how could we not say UCF? I mean, throw out the fact, yeah, maybe Auburn wasn't motivated. Maybe they didn't want to be at the Peach Bowl. But for UCF to finish their season perfect, 14-0, be 
beating Auburn, which had beaten a couple of top-ranked teams earlier in the regular season. UCF, Shaquem Griffin, Mackenzie Milton, Scott Frost. I think all things UCF prior to January 1st, (laughs) I was excited about. When you start throwing out that you're the de facto national champs, I start to get angry. UCF, Danny White, the athletic director, please shut up. You're making a complete moronic jackass of yourself. You're not the national champs. That's happening Monday night. But well, I loved I loved UCF on New Year's Day. But I was tweeting out when that happened. Wake up, Danny White. You beat a team that was 10-2, that beat Georgia and Alabama at home, and lost to Clemson and LSU on the road. Okay, so I still don't see the rationale based off of that. Right. But... 1998, we talked about Sean King and Tulane. The Green Wave. Head coach Tommy Bowden. 2004, you had Urban Meyer and Alex Smith. Knock off off Alabama. Alabama. 13-0. Nobody's talking about them as de facto national champs. I I I mean, come on now. Marshall is undefeated. Listen, we, we know the rules of college football right now. I know for those in the group of five, it sucks. You're probably never going to get into the playoff. But here's the reality. Your best win came after the selection. So you can't say that you belong there when your best win during the regular season. Listen, anytime you run the table is impressive. But your best win during the regular season was against Memphis. Twice. I mean, so you beat Memphis. That's great. But, but it doesn't mean you're one of the four best teams in the country. And oh, by the way, for those saying that UCF deserved to have the number four seed, Alabama was the number four seed. Alabama kind of quieted that argument with their performance in the Sugar Bowl against Clemson, the defending national champs, that they beat 24-6. to So it's a baseless argument. And what, what aggravates me is it was the feel-good story of 2017, UCF that is, and now the Knights have kind of, they're getting into that territory where they're becoming a bit of a punchline, so shame on Danny White. I mean, it's a great story, great team effort, but, but you know, pipe down, you're not the national well, champs. people were saying, oh, just let them be, they're having a little fun with it, but here's the problem that I have now, now we're going to have all these college football hipsters say, yeah, that UCF team, right. we need 16 teams, right. 34 teams in the playoff, next thing you know, we'll have a regular season right. that's non-existent, we'll have third stringers playing in week number 11 and 12 in the Iron Bowl, because they know they're guaranteed yeah. a spot in the playoff. Listen, just because you identify as the national champ, does not make you the national <laughs> champ and, and and if you're going to base it solely on records oh we had zero losses versus alabama's one guess what's going to happen no one is going to schedule tough non-conference games any longer agreed and it's if ucf played in a power five conference yes. each and every week sorry you wouldn't be 13 and 0 when we come back we'll be talking about alabama's offense joe lisi and rich sermonella live in the fantasy sports radio network studio 34 